It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies. Theaters are still closed, but we are pressing forward as we continue to stream the latest releases and review some classic films as well. Directors and actors beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey. So with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. Well, this week on the podcast, we talk about new flicks to streaming. We break down the cruise, top 10 Mondo, and five least favorite rage films, Open Rage. And finally, we talk about Denise Richards on the list. I thought we were talking about Kelsey Grammer. Oh, we're talking about them both. It's a double-doubted duo today. (laughs) A double-doubted duo. Not necessarily. (laughs) Well, maybe not. I guess we'll have that discussion later. We will talk about the Grams. The Grams and the Richards. Mm. But then we'll pack up our Christmas trees and start counting down until next year when COVID is finally over. You figure? Want to dance? Sure, why not? Streaming. Motherfucking streaming. We've been just streaming. And streaming. And streaming. And streaming. A lot of streaming. 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 Bryce, what have we been doing? Uh, we've been streaming. Alright, which isn't such a bad thing when you get to watch movies like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It is on mm-hmm. Netflix as we speak. Mm. Mm. Well, sir, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is based on the August Wilson Pulitzer Prize winning play. It is a story of Ma and her band in a recording session in 1927. Viola Davis absolutely shines as a titular character, a blues singer whose personality may be even bigger than her singing voice. Chadwick Boseman portrays Levy, a young trumpet player. <sighs> with lofty aspirations. Levy comes across as, <laughs> as not <laughs> Yes. Levy comes across as naive at first, but as the story rolls along, we learn that there is so much more than meets the eye with this man. The layers to this character and the way that Bozeman was able to reveal every layer through his execution was one of the best performances by a male lead this year. Not the best, but one of them. The rest of the cast was also stellar, with every cast member deflecting the spotlight back on the two lead actors. This was a very good supporting cast. There is an intensity to the film, as it is a microcosm of the time. Plus, we get to listen to some darn fine music. I am so glad that this play got turned into a film, as it means many more people will get to see this work. And I am even more glad that they cast Boseman and Viola Davis in the lead roles. This movie was Mondo. Okay, then. Well, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Uh, First off, it's very Broadway feeling all through it. I felt like I was watching the play right on Broadway. Cool. Biggest issue? is I'm not a fan of films that feel like plays that may or may not be playing on Broadway. I am assuming 
It is very intentional. And the film style of the shots and the direction, I feel, are based on the era this film is. Started off with detriments because of three reasons. One, it's a play that may or may not be playing on Broadway. <laughs> Number two, it's a period piece, which I am not a big fan of. Although this is a biopic, which brings me to my next detriment. Number three, it's a biopic. Yes, but now, it's it's, it's on one of those film, it's one of those good biopics where it's not like a biopic as much as a one little segment from that that person's life. It is. I which I are would the agree best. Yeah. Uh, I would also agree with you on that. The pluses, though, on this were a Chadwick Boseman. Yes. Viola Davis and Coleman Domingo, who I also thought was freaking stellar. I can't say the first two without the second. Yep. I think Coleman Domingo is brilliant in everything he does. I thought the ending, to me, though, it the ending was ruined. I thought it didn't really, really? fit. I felt, yeah, I felt it fell off the rails at the very end. I feel it went too far and kind of destroyed the ending and was too extreme for what we had just been watching for the previous 30 minutes. Mm. Gets uh, Love the uh, great characters acting great in a movie that was meh. As a play, it may have been better if I saw it on Broadway or maybe not on Broadway. <laughs> but no, I, I, I really do not like movies that are made into plays. I just, I just, I know what you're saying that it's it's valuable. Come on, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah, but that it wasn't okay. But if you want to talk about Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, it was not filmed like exactly like the play was. It didn't feel it. It still had a play feel, but this one was very cut, very angular. The shots were very distinct that they wanted to capture. The feel that you had when you watched a play. And I am not going to a play. I'm watching a movie. I wanted them to turn this play into a movie. And I just, I couldn't get past that fact. The actors were stellar. I, but for me, the actors themselves cannot bring this to Amondo. I loved their acting. I, I was, as I was watching it, I was thinking, think of how we talk about Tom, Tom uh, Holland. From Capone, who well, you'll hear his name Hardy. come later. Tom Hardy, sorry, thank you. Why was I thinking Tom Holland? That's not the right person. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. But Tom Hardy in Capone, right? Uh, perfectly good example. Uh, as I'm watching this, Viola Davis is Ma Rainey. Like, I did not think of her in any other role she's been in. She was brilliant. Yep. And same with Bozeman. Like, oh, yeah. all of them. The characters were great. I just couldn't get past biopic a b stage play. stage play vibe yeah the stage play vibe just made me meh uh i loved every minute of it it was yeah, mondo i'm glad you enjoyed it uh, there you go i am also glad i enjoyed it so that makes two of us my friend <laughs> well, I, I wish i enjoyed it more but there we go i also well. wish you enjoyed it more <laughs> I enjoyed the acting. That's what I'm going to say. What else we see? We saw The Midnight Sky. Ooh, that's George Clooney. 
it is this post-apocalyptic tale follows Augustine, a lonely scientist in the Arctic, as he races to stop Sully and her fellow astronauts from returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe directed by none other than George Clooney. And the writers are a few people. And it stars George Clooney, Felicity Jones, and David Ove... Oilowo? I can't try it. I don't know. Do you know what this last name is? Oilowo. Oilowo. So, that was good. Uh, A dying George Clooney and a kid, a.k.a. CLF. Mm. We all know what that is. Uh, Alone on a planet... I'm 20 minutes in, and I'm thinking I hate this film already. All Let me right. see if I can predict anything that happens. It appears that Mr. Clooney spent time watching the movie The Martian, deciding to oh, direct definitely. this film. Yes. Now, fast forward to the end. But wait, aren't they at the North Pole? And George Clooney looks like Santa? I mean, I was wondering where the Martians were. Came out at Christmas okay, time. well... I guess, I guess they did. Okay, well, back to getting to the end. Oh, yes. They run into trouble. They lose their mode of transportation. The ship gets broken, etc., etc., blah, blah, blah. Boring, predictable future science movie schlock. Oh, a team bonding over Neil Diamond? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know it would be him, but I knew it would be corny and predictable. And... Just boring and annoying. Just waiting till the next challenge for them to overcome. Not one thing in this movie made me feel it was original. And nothing was interesting or unique for the entire movie. Loved all the actors. Though casting was good for what they had to do. But ultimately, this was a predictable, boring film. That unless you like science films that are nothing new or original, I would skip this film altogether. Hmm. It's a George Clooney should stick to Nespresso commercials. That's, very, what, he, that's what he's been doing very, for the last four years. Very low meh. Only because the CLF kid in this did not push me over the edge to a severe rage. So you, and for those of you who are wondering what a CLF is, no, it's a creepy no, little fucker. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, low meh. She was annoying. I liked her. Right. Very low. I almost raged. I almost raged. All right. But I didn't. Only because, like, if she would have annoyed me through the whole movie, it would have been a rage. But she was kind of an okay little actor. Yeah. No, she was good. So, uh, I like the scenes on Earth. I like the relationship between Augustine, played by Clooney, and Iris, played by Kaylin Springall. Spelt really weird, but apparently that's how you s- pronounce it. Um, anyways, the film looked good. The sound was good. It was well acted. Um, everyone involved was really, you know, they were quite good in it with what they had to work with. But the yeah. movie just failed to connect with me. There was a void between it and my ability to care about any of the characters. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I also hated, and I mean hated, the scene where Augustine falls through the ice into the freezing oh, water God, for, for quite a time. Which, quite honestly, yeah. should have killed him. Hypothermia yeah, should have set in, and he should have been oh, dead. Yeah. And that should have been oh, the 100%. end of the movie. 
And to be honest, if it ended there, my feelings toward the movie would probably be about the same, but without the silliness of that scene. So it would have been even better. Um, Maybe my expectations were too high with this one, with Clooney returning to the screen after like four years. I mean, after special commercials. Yeah. I mean, after four years, this is the best Clooney could do. Ugh. This was a disappointing rage. Oh, snap. See, I was a little generous on that one, and you were a little generous on Ma Rainey. Probably, I was probably more, it was more of a disappointing rage than anything else, because I saw this, yep. I'm like, this, this is probably going to be good. And the fact that this is the project that Clooney chose to do after all these years of not doing anything, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be quality. Yep. It was not good. And I'd like to say, at the end of the movie, my wife turned to me and she said, Really, Jorge? Really? Yeah, that about (laughs) sums it up. Let's end it with with that. (laughs) Well, Uh, if you thought that made you rage, I think this one's going to make you rage even more. It's possible. Let's talk about the VOD for the week. That I mean, we had a choice. Okay, so let's just let everybody know here that we did have a choice to see a few VODs. Yeah. We could have seen Witches, which I refuse to see, by the way. No, thank you. We could have seen. We could have seen. Um, there was a few other ones that came out that I don't see. I, I can't even remember them all. But yeah. they, like it was just like a big batch dump to us. Hmm. Right. Right. Like there was a few. I, I <laughs> but we decided on Wonder Woman only because it's uh, kind of like the biggest. Exactly. It's a big one. Movie. We got to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. I know, right? It's going to be all the rage. Yeah. So all why, why, don't you, rage. why don't you take the lead on this one? Okay. So um, rewind to the 1980s as Wonder Woman's next big screen adventure finds her facing two all-new foes, Max Lord and Dachita. Ooh. You got I me know, so far. Right? This, this really... sounds excellent so far. What else you got? I know, and it's directed by Patty Jenkins. There you go. Who I know, I know you're not a big fan of. Uh, and still, it was also written by partially by Patty Jenkins, mm. story by Jeff Johns, and story by, here we go, this is a hint, four other credits. Yes. Only four? So can you can you count up the writers? One, two. That's a lot of writers. Plus four is six. That's, that's six. a lot of writers. Yeah, you know what we say about lots of writers? Too many cooks in the uh, kitchen, stars, my friend. Stars Gal Gadot, who we who we've met from many Wonder Woman films so far. Chris Pine and our buddy Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. Right. I love Kristen, Kristen Wiig. Wiig. She's great. I know you do. I love her too. I actually so, even liked her in this. I just wish that they had more yeah. for her to do. Yeah, they should have just had her her and Wonder Woman making out. That'd be great. Uh, so is this a superhero movie? Yes, it is. Yep. Is this a detective story? Yes, it I is. Guess, yeah. uh, is this a nonsensical, convoluted story, bad CGI, and does it not make sense for some of the time? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes to those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but does it live inside a comic book reality that if you have bought into this reality could be somewhat entertaining? For me, I would say yes, this was. This movie is about 30 minutes too long. 
30? I'm saying 30. I'm sure you're going to say more, uh, give or take. I, sh- I should have hated this film. For a lot of it, I did hate it. But Kristen Wiig is the villain, and Gal Gadot has, uh, she's just one of the most beautiful people ever captured on film. I thought I and was. And I could literally just, I could have just, well, on, on you know, major release film. I can oh, look okay. at you all the time. Fair enough. In fact, I do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I so you. I ask myself often, when I see superhero films these days, do I ever want to watch this movie again? And especially with superhero movies. And most of them these days, it's probably not. And this is one in particular that I, I felt the same way. After watching it, I was like, I never want to see this movie again, which is kind of sad. Um, but I'm thinking not about superhero films in general, which basically, you know, predicted nothing new. This film was nothing new. Um, should, should probably be a huge rage. And I've been debating on this because I did like some of the things in it. I like, I like when Wonder Woman kicks ash and punch dick. So I'm going to give it a really, 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 really low meh. But, and I'll wait till you finish your review, but there's a few things we have to unpack together on this film. All right. (laughs) And I'll wait till you do yours. All right. I think you are perhaps the most generous human being on the face of the earth after hearing that review. What a complete waste of my time. This droned on for two and a half hours. And for what reason? Nothing really happened. This was a complete waste of talent. And what is going on? Wonder Woman can fly now? What is with that? A little foreplay is always welcome, especially if it ends in a tremendous climax. But this was all foreplay with next to no climax. The battle between... Negative. Yes. Negative climax. (laughs) Negative (laughs) climax, which is not a climax at all, really. The battle between (laughs) Cheetah and Wonder Woman ended so abruptly, I was literally thinking to myself, that cannot be it. But it was. The true nemesis in this movie, Max Lord, was overly cartoonish in a comic book movie, and that's hard to do. I know Pedro Pascal can act. I mean, heck, he showed plenty of depth with a mask hiding his face in The Mandalorian. But here he yep. is, a one as a one-note, over-the-top clown. It seemed as if he was summoning his inner William Shatner for the entire film. Chris Pine playing the sidekick again was as weird as it was the first time. And while Kristen Wiig was more than competent showing off her comedic comedic timing along with the ability to come across as a wicked antagonist, she's ultimately sunk by her final encounter with Wonder Woman. The clunky parallel stories smashing into each other in an ultimate boring mess of a movie that wasted the talent involved in a movie that was way too long make this movie a rage. I wasn't surprised that you'd rage. If you... If you gave the first Wonder Woman a meh, it couldn't have got even to a meh because yeah, this one was so much worse. Okay, so let's let's unpack a couple of things that really annoyed me in this film. All right. The first one, the whole intro scene. The whole like, intro scene. First yeah. off, what the fuck? Yeah, like why was that even there? I don't even. It had no meaning. There was no meaning other other than guess what? It's done a restart on Rob. 
<laughs> because we had Robin Wright had I think a couple of mondos before. Oh no, she had a Matt and a mondo before that. Yeah, now she's back to yeah, she's back to a rage. rage now. She's back to zero. Yep. And so, but if Robin Wright just wasn't, if they cut out the first, I don't know how many minutes of that first wasted scene, like it had no impact on the movie. It had zero impact on the movie. Right? Like, am I am I well, missing something? It had was an impact on the movie. It made it like twenty five minutes longer. <laughs> no, right? But but that's what I'm saying is like it had no had no input. It was just dumb. If you're gonna have okay, something so like that, they should have condensed it down to about like three minutes. And I I'm still not entirely sure what the point of it was. I guess that no, there was no point. I don't I don't get it. It made no sense. But okay, so the other thing you were talking about that she can fly. Yeah. That one I wasn't as bothered oh, by, was but stupid. by the fact that she decided she was going to create the invisible jet. Like the whole time I've ever been a fan of Wonder Woman, the invisible jet was just one thing, but apparently she can make everything invisible. Yeah. I, I, by just rubbing is, her hands together. Yeah. What is that? Right? Like you're watching this. She's like, <laughs> I don't okay, know what like, that why is. don't we turn this plane invisible? Like she could make herself invisible. I guess. She could make her lasso invisible. Like yeah. it's just, it's back to... You know, when we talked about the last Star Wars, it's kind of like, if you're going to make a movie, even if it is a superhero or it's a comic book or whatever it is, and you create a reality these people live into, then live under that reality it's all gotta the time. got to be consistent. She could have used, used that invisibility all through the movie to get her places she needed to go. Yep. Like, oh, I'm going to make this, this uh, mailbox invisible and jump inside it and hop along in it. Like, mm-hmm. there's just, it's just, it's just. How is that? They didn't need to have that. We, everybody knows she drives an invisible jet. Just, why don't they, when they're going to go to the airport, she hops in an invisible jet and they go away. Yep. Like it just kind of, it was a point that was terribly written. And then the ending, the ending was just dumb. It's just like, oh yeah, he's okay. You know, the bad guy's okay. He's <laughs> forgiven. Everything. <laughs> that was the whole now. thing. Like, is all forgiven? Like what happened there? I mean, he's still, obviously he's got to go to jail. So he still abandoned his son, right? <laughs> Yeah, but then he's back with his son. Everybody's loving each other yeah, at the end. Like, I'm oh, like, don't worry about is, it. What is this? <laughs> like, give me a break. Like, can't somebody kill somebody? Like, did anybody even die in this movie? I have no idea. I I almost did. Well, Chris Pine, but he really didn't. Yeah, he just went back into just, he just went, went beca- back became back. himself again. Yeah, I, I, don't, know. I don't know. Yeah, there's a there was a lot of reasons why I probably should have hated this movie. Yeah, there was. <laughs> But I'm sorry, I love Kristen Wiig and I love Gal I guess you shouldn't apologize for that. I don't know. Perhaps uh, you should apologize. You know me, I, ha- I, have a weak- I have a weakness for kicking ass and punching dicks. Yeah, especially okay. by ladies. I, the, if, an, if, if any movie has proven it, it is this movie. Because this was <laughs> this was atrocious. It, it, takes, it takes a pretty... Like, I... For me to be bored in a movie, that's almost impossible. <laughs> I was bored in this movie because, yeah, you know, I, I was just as bored in the in the George Clooney movie. I, uh, I I'm not going to argue with you there. It's uh, it was it was a rage rama as well. That's a holiday season. Maybe I'm just giving out maz like candy. You apparently you, that's you are. You. Whatever. <laughs> Every man I give is deserving. Ugh, no. Mm. Okay, well, now we've got a brand, our brand new segment for today. 
And today, one day, night only. What's that? As we're going to do the top 10 Mondo and five least rage films of 2020. Yes. The... I couldn't be more excited. Yeah. I can't wait to see it on your list. I have a feeling I know what's number one, but maybe something bumped it out. I can't. You know, you've been talking about this one film for. I know, and I, you know what? I had, and I had three. I, 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 don't know. I had three that I didn't know which order they were going to go in. Honestly, I was sitting there and I was racking my brain, and I, I had my top three was set. There was nothing that could touch my top three. Seven through, or uh, sorry, four through ten, though, that was hard because we saw a lot of good movies this year. It was super year. hard. We did see a lot of good movies this year. Yes. So let's All right, uh, well, hit, hit me with your best shot. Fire away. Yes. So yeah. So we're uh, we're doing our. Uh, now, do you want to start with the uh, top ten, the Mondo ten, or the uh, Rage five? Why don't we do our Rage uh, well, fives we first? We came out of a Rage. Yeah, let's do it. We came. Okay, you do your Rage five, and then I'll do my Rage five. All right. Let's 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 challenge it up a bit. And we got Murray's Rage five, so I'll get her married. All right. So hold on, I got it here. You got it somewhere. I also have yep. it. Okay, you go. His you go. I don't know that I agree with his Rage 5, but that's what well, this is about. He wouldn't agree with ours either. Well, no, he's, sure he's, he's, got some, he's got some rages that are on my top 10, so. Yeah, that's okay. I know. I do too. <laughs> yes. Do you? You sure about that? Maybe not. Maybe it's yeah, not. Maybe not. At least I... I'm hoping it never made any less for you, but anyway, All right. go ahead. So Rage 5 for 2020, number five for me. And no backups? Uh, no, you I'm, sure you don't want to throw I'm, in a backup? I'm just jumping right in. I, You know what? Okay. It was painful for me to even revisit these films and just even look <laughs> at them and think about them at, as well. I couldn't take more than five. <laughs> Normally, I'd have a couple of, you know, dishonorable mentions, but not for this. I just, I, I yeah, it's... We're just going with the five. You, you can have, you can talk about extra ones if you want. Number five. I only got two. Number five is the old guard, lazy superhero movie starring Charlie's Theron. <laughs> Number four, the war with grandpa. The film would never have been released if it wasn't for the pandemic. De Niro at his worst. And that's saying something these days. Number three, Sonic the Hedgehog. Bad acting plus bad CGI equals the third worst movie of the year. Number two, like a boss. Who can have a bottom five without Tiffany Haddish on the list? Like oh, a boss, snap. Tiffany Haddish stars in this 83-minute pile of excrement. And the number one <laughs> worst piece of crap movie, The Rage of All Rages, A Fall from Grace. No, a fall from grace. I do not understand why Tyler Perry has a career. This is one of the worst movies I have ever watched. Not just for 2020, for all time. A fall oh, from wow. grace is so putrid, I can still smell it. And I watched it like 10 months ago. Ugh. Wow. But wait a minute. Was that actually... Was that one from this year? That was from yeah, that was that was from this year. Holy crap! So we yeah. had a Tiffany Haddish and a Tyler Perry in your top five. It, well, I love it. They're they're number one and two. Where else could they be? Uh, if we <laughs> if we ever have a 
a doubted Hall of Fame. These are the two people that are going in it because they're not only like eight movies back. They're like every movie that they've ever done <laughs> is so bad that it's just mind boggling. Yeah, I, I'm kind of respecting the game a little bit. I'm kind of thinking a little Ed Wood here. <laughs> I tell you, that's I'm, I'm, I'm hoping someday we have a doubted Hall of Fame because Tiffany Haddish and uh, Tyler game. Perry are like the, you know, first entrance into it. Okay, well, here's my top five rages of the year. Mm-hmm. So I got two runner-ups. Yep. Number two runner-up is Doolittle. Even Robert Downey could not save this terrible script. I don't think I should watch movies that are rated PG or technically made for kids anymore. This was the one that kind of really got me. But like 10 Uh, minutes in, it looked like it was going to be the funniest thing ever. I know. (laughs) I I don't know that I've ever enjoyed 10 minutes so much and then hated something so much after that. The first 10 minutes uh, were yeah. gold, and then it was just so unbelievably bad for the next Solid. 80 minutes. Solid gold. Yes. Anyways, yeah. go on. Okay, so so the next one, runner-up, is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yep. Jim Carrey and kids' video games as a movie should not have left the 1990s where they belong. Yes. All right. Now, you may be mad at this. But it really did enrage me so much. My number five is The Way Back. Oh, so good. unoriginal, predictable, and boring character study of a has-been sports person was maybe the worst sports movie I have ever seen. Not because it was done badly, but because it was a script that has been done a hundred times before and done a hundred times much better before multiple times. There was not one original line or thing about this entire movie, which made me raged because I went and saw it in the theaters and now I'm regretting it. I liked it a lot. Number four. I know you did. I hated it. I hated it. And I see a hate that like, more than you hated Wonder Woman. I'm absolutely positive to that. Cause I it made my top that. five. I guess it made my top five. And you're number four was a documentary that we saw really called. Yep. Portrayal. This is the worst. Is it portrayal? Is that the right pronouncing? Portrayal. Portrait. Oh, yeah, it was portrayal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was this awful. Is the worst documentary I saw this year. So scripted, convoluted. And a topic that oh, never man. should have ever got a feature length film. Yeah. It was so painful to watch. Um, number three, nose to tail. This kitchen drama was so painful to watch. The main character, actor along with the script was so unlikable that after watching it for 30 minutes, I thought, I can't take any more of this. It was bad. It was terrible. Number two, Honest Thief. (laughs) Liam Neeson Neeson. needs to retire. Yes. And thank you, Bryce, for giving out Maz like candy. Otherwise, he would formally be on our doubted list but that, and not just on my own personal doubted list. That movie was a rage, but I don't give out mez like candy. Liam Neeson has made some uh, pretty, 
pretty, pretty average movies lately. And they're, you know, know, they're all right. No, he's made rage-filled, rage-filled films like Made in Italy. No, no, no. Made Italy. in Italy was good. I liked it. No, it was awful. And you gave it candy. Yeah, yeah. Candy yeah. Let's, let's stay know, on point. Honest, honest Thief was awful. Number one. Right. Worst. Number one with a bullet. Yep. Uh, can you get? Can you guess which movie made me rage? And not ones that we had from the Rage or Dare bag, but one that we saw in theaters that I could, you know, I pretty much talk about nonstop about it being so terrible. Really? I, 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 I'm not sure. Give me a hint. It was in Invisible Man. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I hate having to remember this film again. As I really wanted to try and forget this ever existed. It was by far the worst film of last year, this last year. Never have I seen a remake of a film that I was so looking forward to seeing and was so disappointed. Wasn't it, that the worst this part? Was a per- the, yeah, fa- the fact that we were both so looking forward to this and it was Yes, this awful. could have been a new universal uh, monster movie craze. I know. And it, it wasn't. Um, so this is a perfect example of a horror film that spent so much time assuming that the people who were watching it were idiots and so little time making a creative and original film. Everything was predictable and contrived, and I have never felt so angry watching a film as I was watching this one. I literally was shuffling in my seat, uneasy, the whole time as this rage was brewing as I watched this film. Uh, want to discuss this film with me? I am happy to break down every single stupid thing in this film that did not add one bit of suspense. You did not need to ever use your mind through this entire film as the director assumed you were stupid and went to great pains to over-explain and foreshadow everything. So obviously, it was not a surprise when it came later in the film. But ask yourself this. If you say you like this film, what was the couple's dog doing for the entire time that the guy was supposedly missing? That's all I want to say about that. All right, then. That was just one perfect piece of the puzzle. The dog was just magically living by itself Mm. for months on end. Yes. All right, the MERS. Do you want to do his five and I'll do his ten? Uh, sure. So I'm going to do his, his worst, his rages. His rages. All right. So Murray, these are Murray's. I have to say it again because I completely disagree with three of them. These are Murray's picks for the worst movies of 2020. The Empty Man. Uh, what was The Empty Man? Oh, The Empty Man was excellent. There's four that are. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Empty Man. That was the yeah. uh, that supernatural. There was four, yeah. There's, yeah. That, we like the Empty Man. We both gave it a Mondo, but yep. yeah, there's four Mondos and one man for you on here. Wow. Did I not rage over the? Anyways, I'll get to that. No, uh, you, you gave it a man. Okay. <laughs> uh, he also has the Nest, uh, which is uh, Jude Law. Um, it was very very. Good, but I, this is this is Murray's time. So the nest. Is, I'm on Murray's side on this one. Yeah, well, you guys are both wrong. Uh, Kajillionaire. What? Sorry, this is Murray's what? time. 
Uh, the Grudge, which I, I'm not going to argue with that one. Although, I think this might be the movie that you laughed hardest of any movie. There's this one yeah. scene where you're this just... This is my best comedy. I tell you. You were <laughs> laughing so hard, you made me laugh. Uh, and this is, I don't even want to read th- what his number one rage movie of the year is because he's wrong. Well, this is his last, it's, I'll read it. It was Last and First Men. The Blast first trifecta, the, the first trifecta in film rage history. Yes, it got a you mondo. Gave it a a mondo. Ma- yeah, I give him a good man. And Murray gave it a rage. I'm so happy that that happened. And I'm glad that this made his list. All right. So <laughs> once again, Murray. Least favorite films, The Empty Man, The Nest, Kajillionaire, The Grudge, Last and First Men. All right, sir. There you have it. From there, I guess we'll move on to, uh, I'm, I guess I'll the kick it off again. 10. Yeah, sure. All right, so I'm going to do my honorable mentions first. Um, just a little brief statement about each of them. Uh, the ones that were almost into the top 10 but didn't quite make it. Uh, Corpus Christi, intense Polish film of faith and redemption. Really good stuff. First Cow, it's a different type of Western. Also a very good movie. Uh, VH, yes. The hardest I have laughed in years. Painting with Joan made me yeah, laugh. I thought that might have made your top 10. Yeah, Painting with Joan made me laugh so hard it it, it literally hurt. I yeah. was in pain. It I was, was laughing your, so hard. It was your grudge. It was yeah. your grudge. <laughs> and, and these last two, I can't believe neither of them. I mean, this must have been a heck of a year if these two didn't make my top 10. Kala Azar, which was stunning which is a rage. and unforgettable, and Climate of the Hunter, which was a Mickey Reese masterpiece. I am still, I am begging if anybody convince, can convince Mickey Reese to make a box set of, because he can't find his films, at least I'm having a hard time. If you can make a Mickey Reese box set, I will buy it. I would. I love that. After watching Climate of the Hunter, I want to see anything that this guy's made because Climate of the Hunter was genius. And by the way, it actually just got a, a pretty big release uh, recently, and it's been getting mm-hmm. good reviews on the old circuit. People are actually they're they're digging this movie, just like you I know, did. You can always find a positive review from anybody. I mean, look at this. No, you, no, no. You no, just no. literally rated this a good movie. Yes, not a good movie. A great movie. Not quite, not okay. quite top ten. I couldn't, I couldn't bounce Charlie Kaufman out of my top ten because that was what was going to have All to right. happen Here in order for go. Climate of the Hunter to get in. So with that said, here is my Mondo ten of 2020. Number ten, I'm thinking of ending things. Written for the screen and directed by Charlie Kaufman, this story about a woman taking a road trip to meet her boyfriend's parents takes a few mind-bending turns that will leave you thinking about the film weeks after you watch it. Love, love, love this movie. Number... It's okay. N- yeah, it was better than okay. <laughs> Number nine, Gretel and Hansel. One of the best looking films of the year, along with perhaps the best musical score by Rob. Director Oz... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rob, so good. Director Oz Perkins gives us a version of the, grim- of the classic grim tale that is unsettling and unforgettable. Number yes, number eight, The Nest. 
This is a film about horrible people doing horrible things, and you will not be able to look away. Jude Law's portrayal of Rory, a man who keeps on living beyond his means to the point his entire existence begins to unravel, was something to behold. Number. Wow, that made your top ten. Okay. It sure did, because it was that good. Number seven, <laughs> Beanpole. It is a story oh. of survival that piles on piles heartbreaking scenes on top of heartbreaking scenes. It is bleak, but it's also quite beautiful. Such a good movie. Number six. I won't debate you there. Yes. <laughs> Number six, Nobody. Standout from the Calgary Underground Film Festival this year. Written and directed by Carl Markovics. This story of an unlikely friendship that takes a few dark turns and ultimately ends up in a life or death situation may have the best ending of any movie this year. Number five, Father. With a pause for, pause for, oh. <laughs> Number five is Father. Not to be confused with The Father, starring the Father. Anthony Hopkins. Yep. This is the Serbian film directed by Serdan Golubovic about a father's heartbreaking journey to gain the right to raise his own children. This was so good. Number four, The Vast of night i kind of feel like this movie was made just for me wow <laughs> i really I do i made your top 10 i'm not disappointed though because it's a good movie oh so good so number four the vast of night yeah. this movie slowly invites yeah. you in more and more as the camera keeps its distance at the beginning but as the camera moves in you find yourself becoming part of the experience it's a unique and wonderful movie that pays homage to the monster movies of the 1950s but with a few modern camera tricks this also had some of my favorite dialogue of the year. I loved this film. And now we get to the top three. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I didn't know where I was going with this top three. I didn't know if three was going to be one and two was going to be three. And they're, they're, and so, they're down. so close. I had a tough time, but after many, many hours of trying to, figure out which was going to be my top. Wait, was it more like many hours of watching college football? You finally realized. No, no, no. I was racking my brain over this. I, I was really struggling over which what order to put these last three in, but here okay, it is. Okay, well, I'm excited. Number three, Last and First Men. Narrated, oh, by, narrated by Tilda Swinton, this film by Johan Johansson is a unique and unforgettable film. The film washes over you and has an almost hypnotizing effect as it is darn near impossible to look away. I cannot mm -hmm. wait, and I mean this wholeheartedly, I can't wait to watch this movie again. This time, hopefully, without a couple of neeners beside me making stupid comments. <laughs> By the way, you're one of the neeners. I know. Uh, number. I tried to be quiet. <laughs> I, I'm I'm enjoying this movie so much, and uh, anyways, doesn't matter. When I, when I, it was okay. <laughs> number two, Sound of Metal. Riz, oh, Riz okay. Ahmed gives the best performance of the year. This is the best performance of the year as Ruben, uh -huh. a man who finds himself having to deal with a sudden loss of hearing, 
heartbreaking and inspirational. This movie does not let go of you and continues to hold on long after the closing credits have rolled. Which brings us to number one, which will be no surprise to you because you're probably not wondering. Not a surprise at all. You're like, when I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways. I was pretty sure it was going to stay number one because of what you said when you saw it. Yeah. So. And I still haven't seen it yet. I know. You know what? I have to tell you, it was available for rent on Apple for a very short period of time. And I almost bought it because I could buy it for like, and I hadn't even seen it yet. But with what you, how you talked about it, I really wanted to see it. Yeah. And now it's not on Apple anymore, so I don't know. Oh where to no! Get it. So number yeah. one. So when you buy it, I'll just borrow it. There you go. <laughs> number one is Vitalina Varela. Pedro Costa's film is quite simply a work of art. You can take any frame from this film and hang it on your wall. Every shot is perfectly framed and perfectly lit. Every shadow and sliver of light has purpose. Costa may be the best director making movies today, and I mean that. Watch this film and tell me that I am wrong. Vitalina Varela is the best film of 2020, and it's not... I shouldn't say it's not even close, because I did... I Those other top the ones in my top three, they, they were close, but this, this movie was so beautiful to look at it it stirred up emotions in me that i didn't even know i you had you didn't even know you had it's, yeah yeah it is such a wonderful experience i Ugh. loved vitalina varela best movie of 2020 one of the best movies that i've ever watched well i'm excited to finally see that because of your top 10 i've seen most of the ones i think i've seen all of your top 10 yeah you probably seen them all except for that seen. one yeah. yep Okay, well, my top ten, here's my honorable mention. Uh, and some of these didn't even get to Mondo for you, but that's okay. It shows that I know you didn't mind some of them. So um, yep. So my number five honorable mention goes to A White, White Day. Iceland's oh, so good. visual and character development masterpiece. Oh, and did I mention much about the cinematography, which was awesome. Yes, it was. And... Was and the fact that it could create a home that is also a character. <laughs> Wasn't I mean, that awesome? I, I know, right? Like, I, I'm a huge character-driven person, and this movie was all character all the time. I loved it. Uh, number four was Capone. Tom Hardy is a god, and this movie proves it. Yep. Number three, Possessor. Baby Cronenberg in this horror director from Canada you will want to watch for the future and beyond. Number two is Mank. Actors, characters, and atmosphere. Oh my. Number one. Also, I think we saw this at Calgary International Film Fest. Supernova 2020. Oh, so Polish, good. Polish real-time car wreck that blew my mind and was nothing I expected it to be. Yeah. And I was so pleasant surprise that was one of the best real-time movies that i think i've ever seen that was it was yeah, it was I've fantastic yep and and the characters in it all of them even the subtle little tiny things about about the the peripheral characters <laughs> it, were so well yeah. defined it yep. was yeah so i mean good. this is the thing actually and I, before i go into my top 10 yep i'm i'm the character guy and you are the visual guy that's the way i think when we see a film like you're breaking down all the visuals and how that interacts 
and I'm looking at the character development. I know you. We, I know we both look. We at both have. Things, yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think fair for us. What drives us more is characters will drive me further than than it might drive you. And I think the visuals of a film will drive you way further than it would me. If I don't see the character, I might not be as in love with it. Yeah. So sometimes I'm happy um, to look at something pretty for two hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, and I need a, I need the pretty things to be developed in a character. <laughs> like, like for example, White White Day. Yep. Uh, so my number 10 is, and I own the soundtrack, I still listen to it every other day, We Are Little Zombies. Nice. Uh, uh, probably the best version of Annie that's ever been produced. That's right. (laughs) Want a movie about kids becoming friends after they become orphans? Well, have it made in Japan by the beautiful director, Makado Nagashiya. Nagaisha. Sorry, Nagaisha. I love every single thing about this uh, CLF orphans coming to grips with their grief in a way that can only be done by a gifted Japanese director. Yep. Number nine, the personal history of David Copperfield. This is the most BIPOC-friendly film ever created. Characters, actors, fantasy, this film was brilliant, and I never thought I could love a period piece as much. Huh. I guess they just have to be done creatively and done well. I had no expectations going into this. Like, literally none, and I was blown away. Yeah, well, you know what? I still, we will debate a little bit on some of the ratings you've given Dev Patel. Because when Dev Patel's in it, I want to see it. Uh, Okay, so, number eight. Kajillionaire. Fucked up people in a world I never want to be a part of, but thought was created in a car crash of characters I could not look away from. Yep. Number seven, which also made your runner-up, Corpus Christi, Polish director Jan Kamasa is quickly becoming one of my favorite international directors, including his other great film of this year, The Hater. Mm-hmm. Another great film with amazing character development, does a great job bringing a small-town values and Catholic ideologies into a cinematic world that I actually never really wanted to see at first, but I'm so glad I did. Number six, made it a little higher on my list, but it was on your top 10 too, and that's Gretel and Hansel. Yes. Osgood Jenkins' atmospheric and dialogue-heavy suspense horror that is well-written fairy tale of one of the most iconic tales in history. As everyone who listens to this podcast knows, I hate remakes, but this is not a remake. It is a brand new vision of horror and an adult fairy tale that has never been told before and is brilliant. Number five, Arkansas. This drug mule film with one of the best written dialogue of any film ever written, including an amazing actor-director double team by Clark Duke. Loves me, this Clark Duke. Oh. I want to see more and more by him because I think he's just getting his, his sea legs. Yes. Number four is a is a doc, and it is Assassins. Mm. My favorite doc of this last year. This mind blowing film about the murder of King John Un's brother brought me so much anger and relief in what was portrayed as one of the most evil trials that has ever happened. 
Number three, our undoubted buddy, Chris, makes a film that takes you back and forth through time in what I am calling a perfect sci-fi action film and will continue to fuck with people's minds for years to come. Number two, and this could be debated. By the way, you should, say, you should say the, num- the name of your number three just in case people don't know who Chris oh. is. That <laughs> they don't know who Chris is. Yeah, thanks. It's Tenet. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Now this one we could debate because I think it might have been released in December of last year, but because it went over over into January, I'm calling it it's from this year, and that's nineteen seventeen. Fair enough. <clears throat> Visual brilliance, this journey of two friends through Sam Mendy's first world war, cinematograph cinema I don't even know how I can pronounce my own word. Cinema, cinematographic, cinema, cinematographic masterpiece is a real time journey. I know. I want to see again and again, and have done so many times since, and on different size screens. But the best was on IMAX, and that's where you should see all films that with this type of visual. Cool. And my number one, which is also in one of your lists somewhere, and that's Bean Pole. By far my favorite film of the year. This Russian dramatic portrayal of two friends who survived the war together and brought emotion and more emotion followed by character development. And did I mention emotion? Yeah, because there was a lot of emotion. Because it brought that to the nth degree of any film I saw last year. This is a character-driven film, and it is my favorite film of the year. That is Beanpole. Thank you, Russia. Absolutely. All right, well, let's break down MERS real quick. I'll do the top, I'll do this. I don't think his are in any order. No, there's just, so his top, it's a hodgepodge. I'll do this, I'll do five, and then you can finish with the other five. Sure. So, uh, his, and this is not in order. He didn't, he didn't pick this as, this is number one, too. So, they're just 10 of Murray's favorite films from last year. Number one on the list is 1917. Uh, number two was The Gentleman. Number three was Birds of Prey. Mm. Uh, number four was Unhinged, mm. and number five was Come Play. Wow! Did you yeah. did, did you make me do this next five because you knew what the first one was going to be? Yes, exactly. That's why. Ah, <laughs> so the I just the, wanted you to say it. <laughs> the remaining five, and let me be clear: this is Murray's remaining five of the best of the year. The War with Grandpa. Not going to say anything. The last, no, you're not. the last shift, which I agree was very good. Becky, which was also very good. On the Rocks, Bill Murray, how can you go wrong? Very entertaining. And Eat Wheaties. Hey, I got no problem with that. Yeah, well, you shouldn't have a problem because it's Murray's mind. Yep. And that is a joy to behold. Okay. Whew, I love making lists, and this list yeah. has some good films on and I have a feeling a lot of people that may listen to our, our show, maybe don't listen to our show, uh, maybe should listen to our show because these films are not everywhere, so you got to hunt for them. Yes. All right. Well, we're, we're running a little hot here today. I um, My rage is going to be real quick. Your rage is going to be real quick? Really? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. sir, with that being said... It was going to be quick. <laughs> it was going to be quick, but then uh, 
somebody's somebody's at, at, somebody's asleep at the controls here. We gotta fire our producer. On that note, yeah. Well, he he's our actual producer's on hiatus. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. So my rage is going to be real simple. Uh, this new normal of video on demand and streaming releases could be the death of cinema. And when you start to hear, not that I'm disagreeing with, uh, with this necessary opinion, but some of the directors are now actually, and particular Patty Jenkins was known to have said that if you had known that they were going to release Wonder Woman 84 on streaming and VOD, she never would have directed it. Mm. Which, by the right, he probably doesn't matter with that because he's probably hoping that they shoot. It wasn't directed. No, no, I respect <laughs> that that take on it because, yeah, absolutely, yes, that should be everybody's I take. I, I do too, actually. I wish that was everybody's take. So I got a lot of respect for Patty and her, her thoughts around it. What I don't have a lot of respect for is is the people that are put, building this buzz that, oh, well, we don't need cinemas. We need we need to just get these movies faster into our hot little hands, pay 30 bucks at home and watch new releases on my 55 inch screen instead of the IMAX screen, which I never would have seen 1917 on, which is, I don't even know how big an IMAX screen is, but I'm sure as hell glad I saw it on an IMAX screen mm -hmm. because I have seen it on my 55 inch at home. And of course I'm still going to buy my 85 inch but even then, it's not going to give it the full effect that I would get in the theaters watching uh, 1917. So my rage this week is people that believe that we don't need cinemas, first off, you're wrong, and it makes me angry. Super, super angry that people can just allow cinemas to go by the wayside. That's my rage. Well, can't disagree with one thing that you've said about your rage this week, which is kind of odd, kind of feels weird. Yeah. It does, right? We're, we're agreeing. Well, we've disagreed a lot through this episode, so. Yes, <laughs> yes, we have. All right, my my rage will also be. Uh, it's kind of related to yours. Are you ready for it? Is everybody I'm ready. is everybody ready for ready. it? Okay, here we Are go. Are you all ready for this? My rage is $30 for Wonder Woman 1984. That's my rage. Rage. But wait. Subsiding. <laughs> Subsiding. 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 What more needs to be said? Really well, I just wanted to break it down. Was Kim watching it with you? Because then that's $15 a ticket. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, this week on the list, oh, I am so excited. Are you? Because we're going to be about, yes, we're going to be talking about Kelsey Grammer and Denise Richards, and that might be all we have time for today. So let's talk about Kelsey first, because you said that there may have a debate here now. Okay. I know that Baby, Baby, Baby was one of our films we had to see. I liked it. Yes, it wasn't bad. It was a Met. Was it a Mondo, though? 
Was it a Mondo? No, it wasn't a Mondo. It was meh. It was good, though. Go. I liked it. I'm glad I watched it. Yep, so was I. It's a meh. Yep. But it's sandwiched right now between two rages. Is it? Entourage and Neighbors 2. True. So right? that still puts them on the list. So Entourage is the eight back, is it? Entourage is the last one. Then okay. Baby, 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 which is a meh. Yep. Uh, and I agree with that meh, by the way. Yep. Uh, Neighbors 2, which was a rage for both of us. Yep. But even if it was not, if it was a meh for me, it could take him off, but it, it wasn't. I hated Neighbors 2. Okay. Um, Guardians of the Tomb we didn't see. Nope. I did see, like, Father. I didn't see Grand Isle, but we both saw Money Plane, and it was a rage. It was a meh. What? Money Plane was okay. meh. Did you see the same month? Dude, that was literally the worst movie I think I could imagine ever going. This was like a this was like a plane that was basically like a it was shot in a box. It could have been the cube. Yeah. But instead of the cube, it was a pretend plane. I had a good time. You're kidding me, right? I'm not. <laughs> Wasn't that you're bad? Giving, you're literally giving you're giving money plane a meh. Give money plane a meh. Okay, so you know what that means, though. You now have to watch two more, one or two healthy um, grammars before we can make it. So which ones would those be? Uh, Charming the Heart of Men. Okay, didn't see that. Grand Isle. Oh, I did see Grand Isle. Oh, wait. Was it, was it a meh? <sighs> it's got Nick Cage in it. Oh, so that's, so it's a Mondo. Well, why didn't you come up with that first? It's got Nick Cage in it. It's probably a Mondo. It's not a Mondo. And you know that Nick Cage being in a movie does not make it a Mondo these days. <laughs> Nick, Nick Cage in a movie makes it usually worth watching because you can... Exactly. Because it's always interesting, to say the least, to watch Nick Cage's take on any role. Um, yeah. And yeah, he doesn't uh, doesn't disappoint here. He's got an interesting take on the on the character that he plays. Yep, you're dragging this out a little too long. I am going to say that Grand Isle was meh, which means Kelsey Grammer is not on the doubted list. Yay! I'm sorry, what was I saying about you giving mehs out like candy? The fact that you gave Money Plane alone a meh is beyond reproach. Kelsey Grammer is not doubted. He is to me. <laughs> I'm just going to put a little note that says no. Well then, let's talk about my girl, Denise Richards. Let's talk about Denise. Okay, so we got to see Money Plane, which is a meh. It's a meh. guess what that means for you, my what friend. What does that my mean? My fine, fine friend. What does it mean? You've now got to watch one of her other movies. Oh no. Because you've just created a meh. Maybe I watched really it already. Money Plane was a rage. I don't think so. Did you see Alpha Code? Ooh, Alpha Code. I haven't, but that no, sounds you're... interesting. I know. Or how about 2020's Switched, which almost sounds like a Freaky Friday situation. Ooh, Switched. That does sound like a that suck. That could be good. We just watched a Freaky Friday movie. Yeah, and it wasn't too bad. That was all right. Okay, well, you're now charged with Freaky. seeing either Switched or Alpha Code, perhaps even both. I don't know. I am so happy that... I gave Money Point a meh because I didn't. I wasn't even thinking ahead. I get to watch another Denise Richards movie. This is so exciting! <laughs> I am oh, stoked. Hey, can we talk about? 
Can we just talk about uh, my adventures with Santa? I think I'm, we have I, to. You, I think I, we know. Well, for me, it was a huge rage. It, it was, was literally the worst it was, movie I've ever seen. It was an unbelievable rage. I'm so, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Having said that, I love Barbara Eden in it. She's great. Yeah, Barbara, Barbara Eden was fantastic. But everything she was else. the only thing. Oh. Yeah, it was terrible. Just like Money Plane was. No. But, okay, yeah. so you'll surprise us next week when you'll either watch Switched or Alpha Cold. I don't know if I can do it in a week. It might take a couple. Sorry. No, you're going to have to now. And the reason I say that is for you giving Why? out fucking that's like candy to Kelsey Grammer on a movie that's clearly one of the worst movies that's ever been put onto celluloid. Eh, not right. Money plane. No, it was so terrible. Like it was, uh, it was Liam Neeson terrible. Kelly, In fact, it was worse than Kelsey Grammer really is safe for quite a while now because he's got two mess and then a then an I don't know because I don't know his last one, but. Well, perhaps you should make it a challenge to watch all of the Kelsey Grammer movies because you know apparently you love him. I don't mind him. He's Sideshow okay. Bob. How can you not like Sideshow yeah. Bob? I love Sideshow Bob. There you but go. Sideshow Bob doesn't count as a, as a movie, so no, he'll always he be a rage. Mm. No, he doesn't. All right. Know. Well, you'll be watching Denise Richards. And so uh, we're not doing any other discussion today because we've had enough talk about Doubted. You know what? Let's just throw one. I'm going to throw one mesmerized out. All right, throw it out. And only because we just watched uh, Ma Rainey's, I'm putting Coleman Domingo on as mesmerized. Hmm. I don't even want know why I'm thinking about it. Yes, he's mesmerizing. Well, of course he is. Don't be so kooky. Kooky. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Cool. We're eating up time like it's candies made out of mess. Mmm. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> In the time before theaters were closed, in an episode far, far behind us, Bryce picked from the dare bag what has certainly got to be the worst of the Final Destination film series, with mm. number four, mm. slash, or maybe the original? I don't know. It's got a dumb name, so whatever. This week, I will get a chance to go back to the bag of pleasure with the dare bag, as Bryce aptly calls it. Except it's not always a pleasure for me. Hmm. While I contemplate it, let's see what Bryce is still in love with Final Destination, or if it finally kills his feelings. All right. <laughs> You're going to tell us, too. Yeah. Final Destination 4. Break well, it down, baby. The whole thing was, that, you know, after, after uh, I drew the Final Destination, I kind of brought up that that was supposed to be the last Final Destination movie. And then you're like, so why did they make five? And I was like, well, I don't remember. So I was like, you know what? I'll watch five too. Why not? I mean, what's <laughs> if you're going to watch Final Destinations, you might as well watch a couple of them. So oh, yeah. the Final Destination was Mondo, as all the Final De Destinations tend to be. 
The anticipation of the inevitable deaths are almost as fun as the inventive ways that the characters meet their demise. This particular final destination had the escalator scene, which was spectacular. The question came up, as I mentioned, was it necessary that we got Final Destination 5 as this fourth entry was supposed to wrap up the series? The answer is yes, as the Final Destination did not really have a satisfying conclusion. Final Destination 5, as a whole, was definitely the worst in the series, but it did have the... But it did have the best ending as it found a way to tie all the films together with a satisfying end to the franchise. The film itself was a little frustrating as they introduced the silly kill-or-be-killed aspect of the story, which was completely unnecessary. And some of the CGI was not terrific. Uh, But the ending was Mondo. As the five films as a series got a fitting conclusion, I was quite happy with this movie i love the final destination films all of them such a good series thank you to whoever put this in the in the uh in the uh, rage uh, dare bags now i'm getting all confused whoever put it in the dare bag thank you thank you thank you it's been a while since i've watched any of these final destination movies the fact that i got to watch two was great uh i was I love these movies. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know why I'm apologizing for it. These movies are good. Apparently, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of anxious now to see it. Now, did you find your stack of Final Destination box set? I, I must have given it away. There was a period there where I had like stacks and stacks of Blu-rays, and every time someone came over to the to my place, I was like, you know what? Just look through them. Whatever you want to take, take. Just show it to me first. And apparently, I said, yeah, take it. <laughs> But I had so much, and, and it's, it the, the whole thing is everything that I had was still wrapped. I, I, I almost never crack into a Blu-ray and actually watch it. So I was like, you know what? Someone might as well be watching these. So every time they come, people would come over because I, I had a problem there for a while where I was basically going online at about two in the morning. I should have some sort of thing on my, on my computer that, know, that keeps me from late from late night shopping. Because man, did I buy a lot of stuff for a while there. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, no, it wasn't around, but, uh, yeah, I found a way. And it was, uh, as I say, it was, uh, I was, I was quite pleased, quite pleased. So what you're saying is the entire Final Destination franchise was Mondo. Oh, yeah. I could sit there watching back to back to back to back to back. It would be no problem for me. And I, and it's like, oh, they're, they're all the same. They're not all the same. And the best part is. They're kind of the same because every every time you know what's going to happen. You know this guy's going to die, but that's not the best part. The best part is all How the he exactly, and they throw out all these red herrings. Oh, it's going to be the nail gun. Oh no, it's not the nail gun. It's something else. And there's like they put, give you like about seven different scenarios that it could be. Okay. And it just builds that anticipation and the, and the tension. And, and then when it, the death finally happens, it, it's just so good. It's, it's, it's a can't-miss so concept. Whoever came up with this concept, hey, death has a plan, man. And there's no getting away from it. It's genius. Because it's your final destination. It's your final destination. It's pure freaking genius. I love this series. Well, I have to say I saw the first one. And then I didn't love it, so I didn't watch any more. So oh, you maybe missed I'll out, man. go back and watch 
the final death right final destination and then the final destination yeah you should you should watch the them minds all. behind these be, the minds that created this franchise are sheer brilliance <laughs> to add the word the to chance <laughs> i can't argue with any of that it's it's an incentive for me to watch the other four okay well i think i'm gonna pick from the dare bag because it's been so good to you it now, has been I good to me. I want to make sure I see. I want to see your hands because I don't want to be planted with another terrible. Like everything I pick from that bag is terrible. There it is. Okay. Are you ready? There you go. Put your hand in there. I'm gonna put my hand in Shuffle here. Shuffle it in. <laughs> Shuffle it around. This is kind of sad. This bag. For those watching on YouTube, <laughs> this is not the best prop <laughs> ever. It's a high-tech bag. It's a Ziploc. Oh, fastest yeah. like twenty. 25 cents. Yeah. Are you ready for some Adam Sandler, Jim? Oh, fuck me. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm talking. Did you picked the worst person? I'm for talking. The bag for me? I'm talking Adam Sandler classic. Let's see if this focuses in on there. Does that say Jack and Jill? <laughs> you get to watch Jack and Jill, which stars Adam Sandler and. Are you ready for this? Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. He plays the two. He plays Jack and Jill. You get double the Sandler for one low price. This is literally my least favorite comedy is when actors try, think that they're funny. So they put themselves twice in a movie and they're not funny in one of the characters. Hey, uh, I have a feeling this is going to be a super big rage for me. Have you seen it? I think I may. Uh, I think I did a long time ago when it came out, it's, and I seem to remember hating it then. It's so bad. So I'm I'm gonna hate this one just as bad. I'm sure. I would like to thank our our uh, our listeners for for this particular one, and I'm I'm very glad. Yeah, that, I'm okay, very so glad that Jim pulled it. This is literally an, a Final Destination scenario. It's kind of like you're now destined to pull great shit from that bag. And I'm destined to pull every time I pull from this bag, I get like I get phone booth and I get Final Destination. I get movies that I love. It's fantastic. And I get Nine Lives and Jack and Jill. Like what's going on? Why does the universe hate me? Universe loves me, my friend. I kind of knew it did, though. It's nice to have you know the verification. It's always coming up right. It really is. All right, sir. Uh, well, I think we've yammered on long enough. Well, thanks, Ragers, for listening. Thanks to extended film age crew of Leonard Conlon for his artistic vision of photography. Leo Leonard Conlon Photography. Also to our man, Merman, who is on hiatus until COVID is lifted from our veil of punishment. We miss you, Mer, and we can't wait to get back to us. Uh, listen to us on all the podcast streaming sites. Find us at Film Rage. YYC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and on our website at filmrageyyc.com. We are always wanting your feedback to make this a raging blast for all listeners, so please go on social media, Apple Podcasts, our website, and Podchaser, and give us feedback, or give us more dare films for us to watch. Mostly me, because the rest of them are always good for Bryce. No matter what you do, though, please make us rage. Please. Please. That's it for this week. Rage on. Rage on.